Welcome to the Bench Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, David Rocha, and joining me as always, fresh from the sands of Tatooine, is Romeo Mora. Romeo, how's tattooing this time of year? <laughs> it's full of sand, and it's coarse, and I hate it. It gets everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason we're bringing up Tatooine is because we're going to be talking about the Star Wars prequel trilogy. The Star Wars prequel trilogy is a series of epic space opera films written and directed by George Lucas. The films follow the training of the powerful youth Anakin Skywalker as a Jedi under the tutelage of Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, his fall to the dark side of the Force and birth as Darth Vader. The trilogy also depicts the corruption of the Galactic Republic, the annihilation of the Jedi Order, and the rise of the Empire under the secret Sith Lord and future Galactic Emperor Palpatine. Joining us to talk about the Star Wars prequel trilogy, returning for the third time am i remembering this correctly yes it's annie annie welcome back Hey, how's hey. it going? It's going. It's Saturday. I think we're all a little scatterbrained <laughs> to yes. start the morning. <laughs> yes. But we're here and it's time to talk a little bit about this Star Wars prequel trilogy. Annie, what made you start watching the Star Wars prequels? Had you even seen the original trilogy yet? Was this something that was all new to you? Okay, so I was six years old when my dad rented the original Star Wars from the video store. So I had seen the original trilogy, like, in all of its original glory before the 97 re-release even came out. And then I was very excited for the prequels to come out because I was 10 years old. And I remember just all of the commercials and the previews and the hullabaloos, you know, coming out about it with all the Pepsi cans and dolls of Queen Amidala's costumes. So I was very excited. I originally saw the first, The Phantom Menace, the day before my 11th birthday with a bunch of my friends from elementary school so it was it was a good time this was a summer movie if i'm yeah may 16th release so I mean, technically, they didn't call it a summer blockbuster yet, but they set itself up. Now now these movies come out during like Christmas time. The thing that I try to remember thinking back, and you mentioned how there was that 97 re-release, and it's like, I honestly don't know which one I've seen first at this point. It's so hard. Like, I feel like my memory now has blended to the point where it's like, did I see the original trilogy? Did I catch it on TV before all the added special effects and additions that they did later on? Or are those re-releases the only things that I remembered are those the first things that I watched and that's like a really tough thing for me to remember Romeo you're a little bit older than me so you probably like Annie had a chance to see the original Star Wars films in their natural order I guess you could say <laughs> right maybe you know as growing up with immigrant parents American nerd culture isn't passed down it's a painful um experiencing things on your own in your own time it had to have been through was it on tv because we also had limited cable too i'm trying to remember this too the so original think, films they were on yeah, tv sometimes but was, we had limited cable because usually those were in the higher echelon of cable and we were poor so i'm trying to remember how i first saw them and i think i've always caught them in pieces over my 22 viewings in my childhood but I do remember the original actor for the Force Ghost of Anakin Skywalker because I, they, when they did a re-release, they added Hayden Christensen. I know for a fact that I saw the original original trilogy first because not long after we saw the trilogy, like the, the rented VHSs that we got, my dad just sprang for the 
box set of the VHS trilogies. And I remember for a fact, the Return of the Jedi version that we have has the original song in Jabba the Hutt's palace. It was called Lofty Neck mm. instead of Jedi Rock. My brother and I were very, very into any sort of movie that had sword fights. So we were pretty obsessed pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So my dad just bought the box set. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have been paying rental fees every time. So might as well just buy it. <laughs> exactly. yeah, so, yeah, like for me, because I am a little bit older, I remember all of the interviews that were happening where Weirdly enough, on MTV is like the beginning of their like summer house era. And they were interviewing everyone, including the young child who was playing little Anakin Skywalker. Of course, they like secluded him from the craziness of the rest. It was like this weird thing where they were on the beach. Okay. I had this random memory of him getting slimed like on Nickelodeon or something. I think, I think that might have been I'm a thing. sure that happened. Um, I think, yeah, he probably did the young and like press tour for the kids because I think there's like the rise of like Nick Knees and stuff was still mm-hmm. going strong at the time. Yeah, this was definitely a thing. We were a Nickelodeon household, so I can tell you for a fact Nick News was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I love so, how deep 90s we're getting right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's how I knew. And of course, everyone was excited about this because of outside of comic books and outside of the novels and cosplay, there was a drought of Star Wars and uh, live action media. So I remember all of my friends that were really big into Star Wars were just talking about it ad nauseum. They would go to a couple of the popular websites at the time. One of them was Ain't It Cool News, where they would reportedly like share spoilers and uh, script leaks. And we're like, oh, this character is going to be in this film. And I remember like there was a lot of theories too, like, oh, this character is going to come from this book series. Oh, we might see some of the old Republic characters like it was crazy and so i wonder if some of the disappointment that is involved with some of the fan base and the prequels stems from that internet culture and speculating about the books Mm -hmm. it was the beginning because here's the thing you have grown adults who basically were exposed to these films as children and as they got older they got into position of powers where they're making comic books and they're writing or or they're they're reading the comics are they reading the novels and you're building upon the mythos that George Lucas is creating and George Lucas was like this is not the story I want to tell and he comes out with something vastly different because if you look at the novels and the comics they're much darker than what was presented in that first film I think that the TV shows do a lot better with what I've heard than the novels do from what I've heard about the novels sounds like the TV shows the Filoni shows have pulled more from those General Thrawn, who is like such a cool villain, is in Rebels. You kind of do get that darker, more forcey stuff in Clone Wars. Yeah, they definitely fleshed it out better through those shows, and that's I why people thought. respond to them so well. And to be fair, which another Sultan, I'm when Disney acquired the rights to Star Wars, all of the previous comic books and novels are no longer canon anymore. Yeah. So there is a lot of like Star Wars myth erasure. Yeah, and then the they rebranded happened. it as a uh, Star Wars Legends. So, Annie, yeah, you're 11, you're out with your friends, you see this movie for the first time in theaters. We what stole was... a giant bag of popcorn down the yeah. front of the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> so you watch this first film. What was it about the first film that stuck with you? Everything, really. I am a big fan of really vivid worlds, and I love costuming. Like, 
like it's so it, it oh my gosh Amadala's dresses and gowns throughout the whole movie I was just in love and enamored I liked the dog fights that you get at the end of the movie which I don't think there are nearly enough of in the sequels I did like Anakin's story it was fun to it was fun to look, to see him as a kid I didn't really I don't know that I expected it but it was fun I just enjoyed the story plus as a giant fan of slapstick humor and somebody who watched a lot of Three Stooges and Marx Brothers growing up and Bugs Bunny, I loved Jar Jar Binks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, and I still have a soft spot in my heart for him. Like, the whole experience was really fun. And I remember having the same experience when it got re- re-released. My friend Lizzie and I went and we had we had the same really excellent time because it was just a fun movie for a kid to enjoy. That's something I've learned doing the podcast over the years now is that sometimes I'm afraid to revisit certain things. I'm going to think like, oh, that fondness I had for it when I was younger is it's not going to feel the same. And then I rewatch these things and I'm like, actually, no, this is all still really good. This all still slaps and <laughs> this is all still hitting the right spots. Yeah, that must have been a really uh, rewarding feeling to have again. I remember, though, as a kid, when I watched the movie, I didn't watch it in theaters, but I do remember when it came out on video and I was like I gotta get to the video store I gotta rent this and I gotta watch it so that's what I did and I was surprised how bored I was for a lot of parts of this Mm -hmm. movie I know I know 12 year olds and they're bored by lots of things (laughs) (laughs) that's so that's not surprising as a teenager and revisiting as an adult I struggled with this first film and I'm gonna skip to one of our questions when did you start having doubts it was that first film because it was to me such a departure from the original trilogy I had questions at the time and I still do like what's the story Lucas was trying to tell with this particular opening thing and I still struggle with that question because you basically had Sesame Street mixed in with a C-SPAN at times and I wasn't quite sure what to make of it and I still don't those two should not go together and needed a little bit more West Wing dramatics that's the one thing that I feel like ignoring Jar Jar Binks and the problematic character that he is maybe he could have dramatized it more better but it, it seemed kind of flat I liked the pod racing a lot now this um, pod racing right David even that line is iconic now you whether or not you like the line, when you say, now this is pod racing, I mean, you can't help but just kind of smile at that line, no matter how you interpret it, because it's just such an iconic line. It's funny now, because I read that people actually think that scene runs too long, and I'm actually, I think it runs for an appropriate amount of time. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a section of the film that I actually think is fantastic, and I like how they yeah, build it up. that's the strongest part of the film. There's like this rivalry between him and Sebulba, which is like totally ridiculous. Like, dude, <laughs> you're a great own alien and you got this rivalry with some nine-year-old kid. <laughs> I made a list of what I want from a Star Wars movie a few weeks ago. This movie crosses off all of the items on it. Okay, list them. Let's go. Okay, I want a clear hero's journey or protagonist's journey. And we clearly set it off, particularly with Obi-Wan. I want dogfights. I want space battles. The ships going after each other, shooting each other up. That's what I get. 
Hello, it's called Star Wars. I want a giant heap of weird force lore business because who am I if I, if not a giant lorey kind of person with Tolkien and Harry Potter and all that sort of thing. And I want droids, particularly C-3PO or R2-D2 or any other extra sassy droid like K2 from Rogue One or Chopper and Rebel- Rebels. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I got all of those things in this movie. You know, I love how you pointed out that our protagonist is not Anakin Skywalker, but Obi-Wan. And I I feel like there's sort of this dis and I think why these films probably get so much hate is but people are miscasting who our protagonist is maybe because they think it's Anakin Skywalker and which to be fair Lucas sets it up that way where Mm -hmm. Anakin Skywalker is supposed to be our protagonist when in fact the most character growth of all the characters and that's saying out too high of a bar and too much praise for what actually we got in these films is um, Obi-Wan. I don't know necessarily if he has growth as a character, but he certainly is, he's the character who just witnesses the whole thing. He's like Nick from The Great Gatsby, just watching all of this play out. And, you know, he's the only, he's the only character who does end up in the original trilogy other than... Anakin Skywalker uh, as Darth Vader? Well, yeah, but like, no, but not even Anakin Skywalker because he's Darth Vader at the time. I mean, the one the same. character let's who be, remains be as They're one and the same. They made yeah. it clear that he's always been Vader. I've got a theory. It's a wild theory but it's a theory. Before you say your theory, I just want to say what Lucas, I think, was trying to do is he was trying to show that Vader used to be a kid. He used to be happy. He used to, you know, have dreams and ambitions and stuff. And all of that was like really innocent and showing that there was any ounce of evil in him was there wasn't any like kids aren't born evil, I think is what Lucas was trying to say here. To go off your thing, so then his turn is basically becoming a Jedi, therefore the Jedi Order turned him evil. I think that if he had had the correct support through the Jedi Order, and the powers that be in the order were like, hey, we've got this really angry kid. Maybe let's work on the not closing off the anger, but helping him through it. I mean, this is the teacher and me coming out here. But if I had a kid who I knew was really, really intelligent, but really had all of this trauma and stuff going on behind the scenes, I wouldn't push him to suck it down and like not address it. That's a great way to get somebody to resent you. What would be important would be getting him support for that like having somebody listen to him and and understand his feelings so if he'd had that i think that would have he would have been more successful and it goes i guess to the hubris of the jedi council because he should have expelled him how are you all wise and knowing and not realize that he and amadala are hooking up and breaking all the, he's been breaking all the rules for a long time and yet like yeah we'll make you a jedi knight let's do this i think they've been with that opposition for so long they got lazy. To get back to the point about Anakin and his characterization, I've watched a lot of Clone Wars in addition to the prequels. I have a wild theory that I've based off of this scope of viewing. I think Anakin never really quite goes away. And that's pretty clear in Return of the Jedi because Luke brings him back out, right? I think he has been a double agent this whole time. So this is a wild hot take here, but I got the idea after watching, I think it was the last episode or second to last episode episode of Clone Wars, the original run of Clone Wars, where Anakin takes Yoda to go to see the will so Yoda can learn how to become a force ghost and all that sort of thing. And as Anakin is pulling out from dropping Yoda off on this planet that whose name I forget, Yoda says to Anakin, hey, I have another task for you. You can't let anybody know what you're doing and blamed you will be for it. Later on, it's kind of like there's this kind of like little side plot that Anakin goes and does. It's another just little side mission, but that 
that does not seem like something Yoda would point out so gravely. So I saw that and I thought the mission that Anakin ends up going on isn't serious enough for that kind of warning. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. We've just watched Anakin, his marriage start falling apart. And Anakin doesn't really know which way is up. He's gotten rejected from the Jedi Council or he's going to be. And I wondered, Yoda has a sense of what's coming. He definitely knows about Palpatine or has ideas about Palpatine. So my thought is, does Yoda want Anakin to go deep with Palpatine and get on his good side and just kind of like blow it up from within? What further proves my thinking is that throughout the entire series, I I base a lot on Clone Wars, but also the original, you know, the, the prequels as well. You see Anakin is a good person. He has really clear morals throughout most of the encounters that he's been through, except for the Tusken Raiders stuff. He has a clear moral compass and he has a real heroic streak. He wants to save people. He wants to do the right thing, but he's not able to do it through the Jedi Order. It doesn't make sense for this character who has such a deep sense of self and a deep sense of what is right and what is good to completely switch. What makes sense to me is that in order to do this deep fake double agent business, he needs to go dark in order for Palpatine to trust him. That would make a lot of sense because you're right about him regularly making the right decision. Let's not forget that he snitched on Palpatine when Palpatine revealed that he was a Sith. He told the council and the council was like, "Okay, we need to do something about this. So Anakin was always loyal to the Jedi Order. It's just the decision making of the Jedi Order kind of rubbed him the wrong way in terms of asking him to do very difficult things like, hey, can you spy on Palpatine for us since you're so close to him? And he's like, what? That's kind of like that feels wrong, you know, for someone who's like gone out of his way to be a mentor to me or even as go as far as calling him like a friend or father figure. So, yeah, that moral compass was always there. So it is an interesting argument in terms of like, did the Jedi Order fail Anakin or did Anakin fail the Jedi Order? And I honestly, I think both sides failed each other. But he was a kid. Yeah, he was a kid. He was a kid with no real solid background. He was a slave. I think it was foolhardy and cruel to believe that a kid from that background could just shut all that off just because you say he needs to in order to become a monk. If they really cared, which they didn't, they would have done more. They would have done better. I just actually pulled up on IMDB the conversation between Anakin and Palpatine in the like kind of floating ballet in The Revenge of the Sith. Throughout the scene where Palpatine says tells the story of Darth Plagueis and Anakin is just kind of listening to him and asking him questions. Anakin says the Sith rely on their passion for their strength. They think in words only about themselves. Palpatine says, and the Jedi don't. Anakin says, the Jedi are selfless. They only care about others. I think that's what he cares about. P.S. Not Jedi. Palpatine says, the fear of losing power is the weakness of both the Jedi and the Sith. Okay, and then Palpatine goes all on his Darth Plagueis the Wise spiel. Mm-hmm. It could be viewed that Anakin is like is drinking all of this in and like having a new mentor tell him all this stuff, all this wise stuff. Or he's just prodding Palpatine and getting him to think that he is listening so intently. 
and letting him monologue about Darth Plagueis the Wise and blah, blah, blah. I think the difficult thing that really like shoehorns it ruins some of it is that he does all this because he's trying to save Padme. Like there's this overarching commitment to like be with Padme, save Padme because he keeps having these bad dreams and he can sort of sense the future before things happen. And the other thing about it is like they never showed that him sensing what could happen, that he could be wrong, if that makes sense. I don't know. Romeo, do you have any thoughts on that? Because he sees he sees Obi-Wan in one of his visions. If that were what they were hinting at, I think that destroys the characters of Yoda because then he's giving Anakin permission to kill all those younglings at the Jedi Temple and then lying to Obi-Wan's face like he's surprised that how could it be Anakin? You got to keep in mind the Clone Wars TV series were done sort of independently from George Lucas's main story in the first three films. But he was involved in them and and considered them canon, didn't he? Yeah, but at the same time, they also contradict each other too. In the same way, the legacy books always contradict each other. So it's tough to sort of include those into this because it's kind of hard for me to sort of wrap my head around that theory that Yoda's no better than a Sith because he's cool with killing his entire order for what? Causing the pain and suffering of millions. And and I don't believe Lucas is that crafty of a storyteller. If I ever learn him and Modesto, I will ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He avoids Modesto like the plague. All all that in consideration, though, I think from my perspective, the best lesson to learn from how to incorporate helping theories that stem from the TV shows is basically making up your own story arc of what happens between Mm -hmm. the prequels and what you would like to choose from the series. Because I do agree with Romeo in the sense of allowing Anakin to go as far as slaughtering children. And we could also say that Yoda couldn't even have imagined that Anakin would take it that far as a double agent. that's what Um, we would have to do, right? How do you prove your loyalty? I wouldn't say that Yoda necessarily knew about it. And I don't know where he thought it could go. But in order to make Palpatine believe him, that would have to be something he would do. I'm sorry, because then you're ignoring the whole story arc of that third film of Palpatine using Anakin's fear against him about losing Padme. Because it goes back to the old story of uh, how power corrupts. And I'm more inclined to believe that his upbringing and how the Jedi Order failed him is the ultimate downfall of the Jedi Order because... You had a kid who was powerless his entire childhood, and now he has power to do something. And you're right in the fact that he's not allowed to intervene in certain conflicts. And you have this guy whispering in his ear for how many years, saying, yeah. now is the time. And we sort of see it throughout, which is shocking that Panama was is so completely taken back that he would do something like that when she was on Tatooine with him and he killed all the Tuscan Raiders, including the children. So I want to wrap up Anakin with exploring a little bit of that relationship with Padme. I think this relationship is really problematic. It is. <laughs> I, I, oh, I know, it, I know it, that's like... It. As much as I liked the prequels and the Phantom Menace and I liked his storyline, I don't know why they made him 9 and not 16. I agree. I also think that Padme, and this is kind of a problem with the trilogy in a lot of ways, is that basically George Lucas, I feel like he's just hitting bullet points. He's just yeah. trying to get to his bullet points so we can get to Vader because we don't really get a sense of Padme having like a normal life or like, I don't know anything about Padme. I know 
that she used to be the queen of Naboo, and then she, she... was elected youngest of all the previous queens. Which, and and I know you can vote for a queen, but I digress. But I'm also thinking, like, why did she get elected? That was never explained. Mm-hmm. Then she got to be a senator at a very young age. But not only that, it's like she's 24 years old, I believe, when the third film comes around or something. And she doesn't have to be married, but you don't hear anything about like suitors. You don't see her have any friends. Everything is just like business. And I'm just like, she's a young woman. She would be like, oh, business and Anakin. <laughs> yeah, business yeah, right. and Anakin. And yeah, that's like yeah. a horrible. So mix. here's here's <laughs> my issue with the trajectory of Padme. First two films, she's a capable warrior, able to handle herself. Third film, all she's basically allowed to do was worry about Anakin and be pregnant. And that pissed me off because you had a strong character. Granted, we didn't learn much about her. Wasn't she in the Senate at one point making an argument for Thurfield? Yeah, but that was like five minutes scene of a whole film of her worrying about Anakin Skywalker. Like her whole plot point in that film was being pregnant. And even then, in that third film, she made a side comment about how democracy dies with thunderous applause. That was her whole character arc in that third film. Maybe she isn't a main character at that point. Maybe she is. I loved Phantom Menace, but... Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, especially Revenge of the Sith, I didn't really care for so much. They both kind of felt disjointed. Yeah, and the history of these films really put a damper. Like, we all know about how Jake Lloyd had his issues growing up because of the film. Ahmed Best, who voiced Jar Jar Binks, he basically had no career after both films. Natalie Portman, people weren't even sure she knew how to act because of the writing being so stilted and the chemistry that she didn't have with Hayden Christensen. And Hayden Christensen, people weren't even sure he knew how to act either. <laughs> Especially Which is really when you funny heard... because he actually is a pretty good actor, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Like Portman is. The only people that came out okay out of this immediately was Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson. <laughs> they still cut popping and up. Samuel in Jackson. <laughs> oh, and Samuel Jackson. Of course, like, Samuel Jackson. How could I forget? They already had a body of work they'd already done. Yeah, and I think people forget that Natalie Portman was 16 when the uh, first 18. movie started. Mm-hmm. 15, yeah. She was very 18. young still. I remember this because I was, you know, you know, you, you had the little kitty fan magazines you get from book fairs and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. She's a little kid still. And yeah, so just to tie up Padme for me, it's just like it's true. Yeah, she was set up pretty strong and she was set up pretty smart as well. Right. And so when I get it, if you want to give Anakin the benefit of the doubt until until they go to Tatooine and he slaughters yeah. those Tusken Raiders, that's yeah. where I'm like, OK, you need to separate yourself yeah, from this guy. That's true. <laughs> and she kisses him later on in the film. And I'm nope, just like, they oh, get married. No. <laughs> and they no, get girl. married. Double agent or evil Sith Lord doesn't matter get out of there <laughs> yeah he never gave me the impression that oh i can see how she could like be swooned by him it's like no man this guy's actually kind of drab you know he's very like romantic but in like a creepy way you know it's like yeah. i've been thinking about you every day ever since i met you when i was nine i'm just Locker. like <laughs> um he was the original edge lord before there were edge lords just saying <laughs> yeah yeah he's so, what the edge lords now wish they could be something we talked about too is like and you're right and going back to comment like we're hitting plot points. This is like if Wikipedia became a film. Because there's no real character development. And it's frustrating because you're right. There's so many unanswered questions, which maybe I do need to watch The Clone Wars, but I feel like I shouldn't have to watch a TV show to get the story of a film that's part of a trilogy that I spent money to go see in theaters. You know what I mean? Yes, but you should still watch it because it's amazing. So the other
another character that I think that I haven't had a chance to mention is Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, to me, from what I see in these three films, he's basically the Jedi's assassin. <laughs> it's right. always funny when they say, like, go capture this person. I'm like, how do you capture a Jedi? No, he needs to, like, kill Count Dooku. He needs to kill General Grievous. He needs to kill Anakin. You can't capture these people. That always made me laugh anytime the Jedi sent him out to do missions like this. It's, um, it's all code. And capture so that's, their soul for me. Sorry. <laughs> no, but it's it, it, it almost is like code. That way, if you go back to like the transcripts or something, if you wanted to like commit war crimes on the Jedi Council, proceeding. Be like, no, we, we just said we just said capture. We didn't say anything about killing him. <laughs> Plausible but, deniability. Right. And so it was the same with Palpatine. I'm like, capture Palpatine, like under arrest. Are you kidding me, Mace Windu? Like, <laughs> you're going to have to kill this guy. And which he quickly realized he did have to do that. So with Obi-Wan, though, you can tell that he wasn't afraid to kill, which is something that I liked about the character because it showed that he did have a little bit of an edge to him. He was something who was very committed to the Jedi ways. You know, he also knew he had to cross the line when he needed to cross the line. That final battle with Anakin, I actually really enjoy Revenge of the Sith. And I think a lot of that has to do with the same way why I really enjoy Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. It's because we finally got to the war. We finally got to the conflict we've been waiting for all of these films. And so I get really excited, especially when it's done really, really well. Throughout the films, we see that Anakin describes Obi-Wan as a father figure. Like he's like the closest to a father that he has. And then in the final confrontation argument battle, when Obi-Wan is yelling at Anakin after he just cut off his arm and legs, you were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. And he also says... You were the chosen one. You were my brother. Like Mm. He's not saying like you were like a son to me. He's saying you were my brother, which to me is a closer bond than a father and son is. Uh When he said that line and credit to Ewan McGregor, he's such a great actor in this scene. Man, I felt that. I was like, damn, like this cuts deeper. It really affected Obi-Wan more than I think it affected anyone else in the Jedi Council, even Mm. though some Jedi lost their lives, which is tragic, of course, and a bunch of kids died as well. But a lot of weight falls on Obi-Wan on this because he was supposed to be keeping Anakin in check. And we could see numerous occasions how he had a really hard time doing that. And ever since Qui-Gon Jinn died, we have to remember that Obi-Wan wasn't ready to be a Jedi Master. Obi-Wan wasn't done with his training. So he was already a little bit out of his elements trying to train. And he had misgivings in the first place about Anakin. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of conflicting problems going on with Obi-Wan. So, And I can see why people look at him as the main character because I think he's the character where there's just so much going on with that can't help but connect with and i He's hope that carryover the carryover yeah. narrative figure yeah so i just want to get that all out of the way like that to me was the most effective stuff of what was going on with obi-wan and how his relationship and his training of how it all affected him and what happened with anakin how it destroyed him pretty much so annie i know you really like jar jar binks i just want to say that with jar jar i don't hate that the character exists i just hate what lucas did with him i just didn't like that they kept having him fail up and I didn't like that Lucas had him basically be the catalyst of the fall of the Empire. <laughs> I mean uh, the fall of the, of the Galactic Republic. There's a theory running around out there I know that he was the Sith Lord behind it and Lucas just didn't, he got gun shy and didn't go through with it but throughout that whole movie he kind of like drunken masters his way through everything. If you look at it <laughs> from a certain perspective. That's one way to look at it that's, that's for sure. <laughs> 
That's funny. I mean, let's not forget, Lucas is heavily influenced by uh, Japanese samurai cinema. Mm -hmm. You could use Mm -hmm. the drunken master angle on this through Chinese cinema. I know Romeo over here. I'll give you a couple things to say about Jar Jar because I know he's not your favorite. Let me put it this way, Romeo. Do you think this character should have existed? I think this character could have existed if they made different choices. Okay, so you and I are on the same page. I'm not going to discount all the people that see it as a racist depiction of a group. The same way where the horrible choice that they made with the Federation trade where they gave them Japanese type sounding accents. Can we stop with the anti-Semitic characters? Because Watto? Uh, What's wrong with Watto? Wait, to me, at first, sounded like a really horrible depiction of people in the Mediterranean. But then I'm like, when I looked more into it at the time, they're like, no, this is a Jewish stereotype that they should stop. It's a racist depiction of every ethnic culture. It was just unquestionable choice. And I think that's the problem when you're in charge of an entire franchise and you don't have people to say, maybe consider that this may not be the best thing to put out there. It's tough. I mean, like... Like, Jar Jar could have been an, a fun character, but again, if they made some interesting choices, which I will say this, the horrible backlash that Ahmed Bass got is unfair. He was paid to do a job. He was told to perform these lines these certain ways. I'm going to give the actor the benefit of the doubt that this is not the character he wanted to end up being portrayed on screen. We have to point the finger at Lucas and like, what are we doing? Annie. Are there any high points that we haven't touched on that you would like to mention about the three films? Yes, there is one. The lightsaber battle between Count Dooku and Yoda in Attack of the Clones. I remember being in the theater with my dad and my brother, and we did not know what to expect when that little teeny tiny three-foot little green Yoda comes in and starts talking all that smack to Dooku. We did not expect. I, the entire theater was just electrified and screaming like, yeah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think it was great. And I know that Yoda actually does technically look worse as a CGI character than as a puppet for some yeah. reason. I, it was hard to overcome. But yeah. still seeing him in that fight was still awesome. I don't know. I don't care what anybody says. I know people Dang. object to the flipping around. I even texted Romeo jokingly. Yep. I'm like, Yoda walks around with a cane, but here he is jumping around doing flips. And <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess he's fine with those bad hips after all. Right? So it was still really cool to see. And I like the Palpatine fights too. I think that was a really cool lightsaber fight as well. Another lightsaber fight that I really enjoyed, of course, is from episode one with Ugh. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon with Darth Maul. Darth I thought that Maul? was fun. Oh my gosh, yeah. so good. Yeah, and Duel the yes. Fates coming in. Oh, it goes so hard. And it's just yeah, such it a... Yeah, it does. And I'm really happy that they fleshed out Darth Maul more because he's in the background so much in that first film oh, that yeah. it is a shame when he gets sliced in half that there he yeah. goes. And I think for me, that's a legacy of this film series is all the missed opportunities. Because again, it seems like the Clone Wars TV series is an apology to Star Wars fans and we have to get a TV show to get all the cool moments for free that we didn't get for the stuff we paid for in theaters. I think the Clone Wars highlights the format in which the story really should be told because it's a huge story. It's 
a big world. There are lots of stories to tell in it. Three hour and a half, two hour movies just really isn't enough time with these characters and with these really complex plot points. If they're trying to turn it into high sci-fi fantasy, then it's not enough. I'm just saying they did that with the original series. Just saying. It, It can be done. It's just you need to know how to edit and figure out what's important. Or the original trilogy isn't meant to be high sci-fi fantasy. it's a serial <laughs> like mm. like Buck uh, uh, yeah not Buck, Buck Rogers oh yeah Buck Rogers thank you that's the one yeah, yeah. that's exactly the influence that and happened on George Lucas there can't be movies <laughs> mm-hmm. that are serialized and people like them because they are because they are what they are so yeah so we've mentioned the Clone Wars many a time and so obviously that's added material to enrich the film trilogy's viewing experience the only other one that doesn't get talked about enough in my opinion and probably a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't think it's considered canonically but it's still and it's, on Disney Plus. And it's the worst rated Star Wars film in the entire like franchise. That's not what I was gonna bring up, but uh, we should mention the film. I know that's the first one listed, so I understand why you thought that's the direction I was going. Okay, so good. Star Wars, the Clone Wars film that did happen. No one really likes it very much. It's poorly animated as well. It's just not a good film, but it did lead us to a very popular, very successful television series. So who can really be all that mad about it? Annie, have you seen that movie, by the way? Uh, yes, I have. I thought it was fun, mm. and I'm glad that it led into what it did lead into, and I'm super glad we got Ahsoka Tano out of it. Right, yeah, absolutely. There's also the Star Wars Clone Wars 2D animation television series that came out in 2003. I don't know if you've seen those, Annie. They were like a bunch of shorts, pretty much. That's yeah, on Disney+. Plus. So. It's action porn, pretty much. Like, every scene is just the most ridiculous amount of action. It's from the people who worked on Samurai Jack. I think Chris and I may have watched a few of these. Don't remember for real, but I think that sounds familiar. It's in its entirety on Disney+, Plus, and they, had, they did a smart thing where, because these were like a lot of these were five minute episodes or whatever. They just mm-hmm. made them into one long, two long movies, actually. One's like an hour and a half. The other one's an hour and a half. That sounds fun. I mean, if you just want to sit back and just watch a bunch of action for three hours, yeah. it's actually pretty that's cool. Really all I want in the <laughs> so that's what we have. Is there anything that you have in terms of material to help enrich the trilogy's experience? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, what enriched the trilogy experience, or at least the Phantom Menace experience, was Pepsi cans, if you can find them. And I had a, you know how you have those collector Barbies with the holiday gowns and stuff like that that mm. kids get sometimes. I had an Amadala one where she's in that really great orange and gold gown with the giant pigtails that she had. So that, that was my personal supplementary material. All of the Pepsi cans, all of the costume, like the doll costumes. I had an Amadala costume for Halloween one year. Oh, cool. That same year, my uh, my friend also dressed as Leia and we ran into each other down the street. It was really funny. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, the only supplementary material I have was just the good experience I had as a kid consuming that. And to kind of tie that in with conclusion here, I wanted to ask you this. Do you and Chris have an approach already in place of how to introduce your child to Star Wars? We've kind of thought that it would be really fun to just start with the original trilogy because I don't know why you wouldn't. And then circle back to he likes the idea of going Attack of the Clones, then Revenge of the Sith, then Return of the Jedi. I don't know. I'd say one shot the whole trilogy and then go with the prequels and everything that, that we basically did in that sequence. That's my opinion. 
opinion. Just go with the the release order. <laughs> Chris likes the idea of New Hope, the Empire Strikes Back, then Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, then Return of the Jedi, and then kind of circling back to Phantom Menace just to kind of have that story. Because really the meat of Anakin's arc is in those two movies. Yeah, I personally means- don't feel like I need to show them the sequels. <laughs> I, I, I totally understand that. Those six films really do have a beginning and an end. And so, yeah, continuing on with the sequel trilogy, you don't have to do that. I, I, I can definitely agree to that. I feel the same way about the sequels that I felt. I think we talked about this in the One Tree Hill episode that I felt with everything after season four in One Tree Hill. Like, cool, it happened. I just really didn't need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. We got the story of Anakin Skywalker, and I think it works effectively in the original trilogy. Getting those stories from Obi-Wan when he was talking to, and from Yoda to Luke, basically it is kind of a retread of like Luke's own journey and sort of temptation to the dark side, but done more effectively with Luke. Uh, Luke than with Anakin. For me, when watching the original trilogy and sort of learning of Darth Vader slash Anakin's like backstory was more intriguing through other people telling us than me having experiencing it through three films. I think it hurts the legacy of Darth Vader because you take away the mystique about the character. What made him cool was you didn't see his journey to be, you just knew him as Darth Vader. There was something scary about him. To find out he was an edgelord as a youth. I didn't even know that. (laughs) It kind of ruins Vader for me. I'm not going a lot. Granted, would we have gotten cool characters like Ahsoka Tano? We would have missed getting that cool character, but there could have been other ways to introduce that character anyway. I would be cool if the TV show existed on its own. If you had to pick one film, go with Revenge of the Sith. I generally, by and large, agree that the original trilogy is personally all I need, but I do think there were cool moments in the prequels, and definitely Clone Wars is just so good. You just can't really... Me and Romeo are doing this specific trilogy this year because Kenobi's coming out later in May. So we thought, okay, we'll do this one this Mm -hmm. year. As far as next year goes, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we do the Clone Wars series next. Out of everything that seems to have the least divisiveness, it's the Clone Wars series. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In terms of popularity, like people know about Rebels, but it doesn't get talked in the same breath as the Clone Wars series and the other. And we have to talk about Rebels too. This brings me to just something I feel surrounding the Star Wars series, and that is Star Wars fans are effectively looking for the Fountain of Youth, chasing that little kid feeling as adults. It feels like that, and it feels like it's a case of perennial frat boys who just need to let them tell the damn story. So we talked about gatekeeping and toxic fandoms. I'm not going to label the entire fandom. No, that's not fair at all. Because I think there's a small vocal section that kind of ruins it all. It makes me think of, and we'll probably get to this franchise eventually, the latest entry in um, the Matrix series was basically about toxic fanboys. It was Lana Wachowski going to town (laughs) on Mm -hmm. people not understanding the true idea of what the films are about and subverting into something disgusting that the filmmakers are like, you missed the message. And I think that also goes to a lot of these fandoms where you're right. They want to hold on to the nostalgia of their childhood and anything that contradicts it ruins it. But at the same time, they want more of it. It's so gross. And it upsets me, especially when produced.
producers and writers listen to the Star Wars fans TM tell the damn story and and then let the fans either go bananas or go cry about it later. Make your own movie, people. So, <laughs> so there is one fandom that which is a show that we're actually going to be covering later in a couple of months. It's Battlestar Galactica. It had a strong following from the original series, which was inspired by Star Wars. And then the first images came out in the teasers and they were so livid that God forbid you turn Starbuck into a woman and be a better pilot than Apollo. It was so toxic that they had nicknames for it. They called it Gina Galactica and name only. They could, of course, correct it. And I give them props for the fact that they kept going and they told a story that they wanted to tell and they got a Peabody. And I think with this franchise, Disney, they're going to have to think hard. Are they going to listen to the toxic fandom or are they going to propel this franchise because you can't stay stagnant. Like, you can't tell the same story over and over again because that's what they did with the new sequel series. Had had their own series, that would have been great. I don't know what the hell Disney was thinking, but I'm just pointing out there that Finn was a Force user. There were hints. I... And Finn and Poe, they'd be lovers. I wanted a thruple situation. I, I thought all three of them... <laughs> Wanted to be in a relationship you know, together. They're and in the happen. future, and polyamory could be a thing. I made my list of what I wanted from a Star Wars movie, and then I have a list of what I don't give a shit about. That was trying to tell ham-fists and moral allegories that relate to current public talking points. Tell the damn story, and the rest will follow. <laughs> Ray, Poe, Kylo, Orphan. I would have cared, but these characters had the misfortune of being stapled on top of the Skywalker saga rather than being allowed to do their own thing. They would have made a fun standalone movie set like Rogue One or an anime or not TV show like Rebels. That was basically my thought on it. I didn't really need to know what happened to Luke after Return of the Jedi. It would have been cool to see a movie about him, but I didn't like that his story was used as a prop for this other character I didn't care about. To quote Scream 5, it's all about the legacy characters. You gotta honor the original and bring in the new characters or else it won't make any sense. I think the way forward is through the TV media and I think that's how they're going to progress the series because Mm -hmm. once again Again, with TV, you can tell the bigger stories because you have more time. I hope we see some of those characters in the sequel trilogy in television form at some point and uh, animation form. That's something that that. I've been preaching for years because I do like Finn. I think Poe is interesting enough and I think Ray could be fleshed out a little bit better instead of being called a Mary Sue. Or being called Palpatine's granddaughter. Yeah. God forbid Ray was a child of no one special. When Ryan Johnson clearly set that up by having the broom kid having force sensitive powers and it's obviously he's just some orphan kid which is how they got the powers to begin with but it has to have like this some sort of weird religious sort of allegory thing we talk about the fact that Anakin is basically space Jesus apparently the force impregnated his mother an immaculate conception pretty much the entire prequel series was basically an allegory or taken from the bible there's this arc in Clone Wars called the Mortis trilogy and it involves Anakin, I think it was Ahsoka, go to this planet where you have the physical embodiment of the light side, the dark side, and the middle of the balance of the force. There's the father who was the balance, the daughter who was the light side, and the son who was the dark side. You see their story. Is it April and Kane? Yeah. (laughs) I think the idea behind Last Jedi and behind a lot of the Star Wars lore stuff is that this cycle just repeats itself over and over and over again. Just kind of like a 
Zelda story. Now it's time for us to make suggestions for similar shows or franchises that people might also enjoy. This was a little difficult for me and Romeo, and I actually cheated. I, I just decided I, to go the inspiration route. Right. George Lucas, obviously heavily influenced by Japanese samurai cinema, specifically Akira Kurosawa. So the Hidden Fortress, some of the ideas from the Hidden Fortress is used in The Phantom Menace, like including what they did with the Padme decoy. And so the other one film that I, I'm going to recommend is Dr. Zivago. You can definitely tell Dr. Zivago was an influence on Attack of the Clones in terms of the love story between Anakin and Padme. It just wasn't executed as well as Dr. Zivago. So I got those two. And then the third one I have here is just basically to try to salvage the idea that Hayden Christensen is a good actor because he can act and there's shattered glass and people maybe should check it out if they want to know that Hayden Christensen does have some acting chops and that he was a victim to the unreasonable expectations that were given to him when he was cast, especially mm-hmm. when later you hear about that Leonardo DiCaprio was even in talks to play Anakin Skywalker, but ultimately well, decided right. he wanted to be taken more seriously as an actor. Good thinking, Elia. So it worked out for Leo in the end, working with Scorsese and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Shattered Glass for the sake of Hayden Christensen and people are rooting for a Hayden Christensen renaissance. Are we going to get it? Probably not, but people have definitely come around on him and realized, oh, maybe the writing was a little stilted. Maybe the direction Just on- a little. He's going to be in the Obi-Wan trilogy. He's supposed yes, to be in the Obi. He's or, supposed to be in Kenobi. The other series too with Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Well, because she's I still, like both those characters because, so much in the show. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be flashbacks because by the time, because I think it takes place during the Mandalorian, and that's after the well the after. sixth episode. It would make total sense for him to be in Ahsoka since Ahsoka was his Padawan. Yeah, yeah. So I can. So I can I'm, I'm see assuming that if that if the rumors are true, that it's probably going to be through flashbacks. There's an episode of Rebels where they meet again oh, as really? Darth Vader and Ahsoka, and it it's just it broke my heart. <laughs> oh wow. Before we wrap it up, Annie, do you have any suggestions? Yes, I do. If you want to see more of Natalie Portman in a really excellent role, probably watch Where the Heart Is because that was her concurrent role. That was really good. She was Mm. really good at that. If you want to see her acting chops in a contemporary film, Where the Heart Is is a very good one. But if you want to see where her career kind of zenith, Black Swan, so good. If you want just like a fun, enjoyable, lorry romp, go for Avatar The Last Airbender, the series. If you like the politics that was in these uh, prequel films. The Expanse, it ran for three seasons and then it finished it, its run on Amazon because after it got canceled, Bezos really loved that show and he's like, I'm going to buy the rights and make it myself because he's that rich. You get a whole lot of talking heads and a lot of dog fights. I actually have one more because Kira Knightley is Padme's decoy. She plays mm-hmm. the decoy in Phantom Menace. I would recommend watching the Pirates of the Caribbean. And we did it. We talked about the Star Wars prequels trilogy. Yay! Yay! It's a feat. It was a feat, you know, and we fell into the trap of where you're talking about this trilogy and you kind of find yourself just maybe all over the place isn't the right word, but it's certainly like you just get riled up. Yeah, Star Wars always gets people riled up, whether it's in a good way or a bad way, but it gets everyone riled up. And I think today's example was a good way. This was a lot of fun. Annie, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Double agent. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> Darth Vader was a double agent. <laughs> the eulogy, like being read, is just like your whole explanation as to why. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great idea. Thank you, David. <laughs> I will 
write this essay and make someone read it. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, stay tuned for Final Thoughts and Mailbag. Welcome back. This is something that you've been harping at us to do for quite some time, saying that we need to do Star Wars. We need to do Star Wars. We Mm got to do like these bigger franchises. And I finally said, you know what? Yes, let's do it. Let's do the prequels. Obi-Wan Kenobi's own television show is coming out at the end of the month. Let's make it happen. And were the prequels where you thought we start with all of this? No. Okay. Were you thinking original trilogy? Yes, because it's where it all began. It is arguably in the fandom the most respected of the films, which for better or for worse with this fandom, some I saying maybe we hold too much reverence to it because we're constantly stuck telling some version of the Skywalker saga. But yeah, it's like the most respected of the bunch. I mean, and rightfully so, because it was fresh and new. And the prequels to me, and this is, this is my controversial take, is probably the weakest of the film series. Some might argue that the sequels are the worst. I say no. And we do know the prequels have been under this reprisal of late. You have these kids. Well, I shouldn't say call them kids. You have these people who are in their early 20s, mid 20s now, maybe early 30s. Yeah, I mean, people our age could be part of this fandom as well. I mean, Um, Annie is. (laughs) Yeah, you know, hey, I stand corrected. You're right. Annie is one of those people. In Annie's defense, though, she did say that she didn't like episode two and three very much she thought they were a little disjointed and she's right about that she just has such a fondness for the first film if i had to rank them it's episode three episode one and episode two i thought we did a pretty good job here's what i was afraid of because this happens a lot with star wars discussions a lot of digression happens i mean you start to steer away from the focus of what you're originally talking about people get really passionate when they're talking about star wars whether or not they're fans of the films i still think we did a pretty good job staying on track we started Mm -hmm. off talking about episode one we started to get into these characters we touched episode two and a little bit more of those characters and we finished things off with episode three and then yeah we did circle back to hitting some other points about the previous films but i still think it was very focused at least from my perspective and i don't know if you felt that same way romeo i i know you seemed like you were getting afraid of that we weren't focusing on the films too much but i still think we did a pretty good job were there other points we could have made about those films sure i just want to point out about all of the um, less than favorable characteristics of some of the aliens that were brought in and I did my job. We talked about this before, how we're looking at this film contextually at the time it was released. By the same time, you can't discount how people view them now, where a lot of folks that at the time didn't make those concerns about some of those characterizations, but didn't have the voice or the opportunity to have their voices heard. Now looking back where we are really examining what is representation, is it authentic or are we perpetuating a stereotype and I think it's important to sort of look back at what those characters are and whether or not they did more harm than good but yeah all in all it was great to have Annie back like I mentioned in the episode if you want to hear more episodes of Annie you can listen to One Tree Hill and you can listen to Home Alone those are two really fun episodes and this one was fun too but in a different way certainly Mm -hmm. in a different way One Tree Hill probably one of my favorite episodes I've done on the show so far so just to do some fact checking from the episode so Vader's Force Ghost is brought up in the discussion and we 
didn't give the actor's name to his respects. It was Sebastian Shaw. He played the original Darth Vader and the Force Ghost in Return of the Jedi. He was later replaced by Hayden Christensen when they did the later editions of the films, later releases. I mean, Sebastian Shaw will always get to be Vader, but I guess he'll never get to be the Force Ghost again. <laughs> so it's kind of lame, but it is what it is. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another thing that was brought up is kind of guess that Padme was 24 years old in episode three. I'm actually wrong about that. She was 27 years old, a little bit older than I realized, but it was noted when doing my research that Anakin was 22 when he helped take down the Galactic Republic and they're five years apart in age. Therefore, she was 27 years old. Okay, and that's all the fact checking for that. Now we can move on to the rest of the show here. If you would like to ever reach us, you can always do it at bingeessentials at gmail.com. It's a great way to keep in touch with the show. Send us thoughts you have, questions. We would be more than happy to read it on the show like during the final thoughts in our episodes the other thing to note about this is that if you listen to us on apple podcasts it would be greatly appreciated if you rate the show five stars would be really awesome even throw a review in there because it really helps with the algorithms and gets more attention on the show so any help that could be done from the you the fan the best way you can do it is by rating us on apple podcasts or really i guess any platform that you listen to us on amazon music we're on spotify google podcasts we're on all the popular ones and some little lower key ones so whatever you listen to us on if you can rate us do it please that'd be greatly appreciated and if you're allowed to throw in a review do that as well okay so if you want to ever reach us you can do it at binge essentials on facebook and at binge essentials on instagram if you want to reach me you can do it at david rocha binge on instagram and david rocha radio on twitter if you want to reach romeo then you can do that at rmora02 on instagram and at rmora1 on twitter time to tease next month's episode next month's episode is king of the hill we're heading down to arlen texas to talk about king of the hill a show created by greg daniels and mike judge two powerhouse names in television actually when you really think about it and this is a show that i am very fond of therefore i'm going to be playing the guest for it and it's been a while since i binged the show so i've been doing it lately and i love every minute of it i love the show i can't wait to talk about it romeo hasn't watched king of the hill in some time but he's got a little short list to have him watching so he'll be nice and prepared and it's fitting that we're doing King of the Hill at the beginning of barbecue season because we yeah. all know we only use propane in this house. <laughs> Good point. Good point. With all that being said, thanks for listening. Catch you guys next month.